Welcome to the very first episode of Fisha Talk. My name is Laarni. I'm Lynette. And I'm Bella. And we're here to talk about physiology. For starters, what is physiology anyway? Well, generally, physiology concerns the normal processes or functions of all living things. Yeah, there's still a whole lot more to that. Yes, but worry not. We'll start with the basics so you'll have a better understanding of physiology. So, a lot of you might be curious. What is really going on inside our bodies? And how do we think our body maintains its current state of being normal? Oh, I think I know the answer to that. Oh, really? Yes, it's homeostasis, right? Yes, that's absolutely right. Ooh, you're so enthusiastic about that. Could you tell us more? Well then, if you insist, homeostasis is the ability to maintain a relatively stable internal state that persists despite changes in the world outside. Ah, so it's like me when I isolate myself from the outside world. Because, you know, socializing has always been a pain for a shy person like me. So you're saying you're shy with that actual tone? Only to strangers, of course. I just feel drained, especially whenever I come from a bustling crowd. I need to get away in order to maintain my sanity. You know, talk about being an introvert where books only matter. Of course, it's fiction. <laughs> and I'm still saying even there is this there's the pandemic out there. I have this ability of homeostasis. Of course, everyone does. Now let Bella explain what homeostasis is. Sure, go ahead, Bella. That was quite something back there. Okay, going back. So the word homeostasis originates from the Greek word homeo, which means the same and stasis meaning stable. It is the state where the body tries to maintain consistency in the face of external perturbations. Most cells of the body are surrounded by a small amount of fluid, and normal cell functions depend on the maintenance of its fluid environment within a normal range of conditions including temperature, volume, and chemical content called variables. They're called variables because their values change, right? Yes! In fact, these values of variables fluctuate around the set point to establish a normal range of values. Now, there are two types of fluid, intracellular and extracellular fluids. Coming from what they're called, intra and extra, they meant the fluid inside and outside the cells, right? Yes, now now, stop interrupting me. <laughs> Sorry, I accidentally forgot my common sense. Oh, it's quite understandable. We all get a little lost sometimes. Now back to the topic. So, intracellular fluid contains potassium, magnesium, and phosphate, while extracellular fluid contains sodium, chlorine, bicarbonate ions, plus the nutrients of the cell. It is also in constant motion throughout the body and lack the intracellular fluid. If any of the fluids surrounding the cells defeat from homeostasis, the cells do not function normally and can even die. Diseases also disrupt homeostasis and sometimes even result in death. Wait, I'm curious. In order for the cells to function normally, what should the body do? Our body won't give up without a fight, right? That's a great question, since we will be discussing the regulation of body functions next. Okay. Really? That's Let's hear it then. Okay, first, we have the nervous system. The largest segment of the nervous system is the autonomic nervous system. It operates at subconscious levels and controls many functions of the internal organs, including the pumping activity of the heart, movement of the gastrointestinal tract, and glandular secretion. Next is the hormonal system. There are the endocrine glands that secrete chemical substances called hormones. These hormones are transported in the extracellular fluid to all parts of the body and regulate cellular function. 
this system of regulations complements the nervous system which we first talked about. And we also have reproduction. It may not be considered as a homeostatic function, but it does help to maintain static condition by generating new individuals to replace those that die. Wow, the last one seems a bit dark perhaps. <laughs> well, that's reality though. What is the difference between the first two? The nervous and hormonal systems? Well, the nervous system is in charge of muscular and secretory activities, and the hormonal system is in charge of metabolic function. The nervous system has fast and immediate action but has a short duration of muscular and secretory activities, wherein it's the opposite of the hormonal system, which has a slow speed of action but has a longer duration in metabolic function. Now these two are the control systems of the body that operate in all cells to control intracellular and extracellular functions. They operate within an organ to control the function of an individual portion of that organ. They also operate throughout the entire body to control interrelation between organs. So that's it for the regulation of body functions and its control systems. Wait, so is it my turn to explain now? Yes, our next topic's all about feedback loops. Feedback, 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 echo, 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 loop, loop, No, not that kind of feedback. Stop it, jeez. So, can I talk now? Oh yes, please do proceed. Okay. Now, there are two types of homeostatic feedback loops, or systems. First, we have the negative loop feedback mechanism, which is homeostatic by the way, and the positive loop feedback mechanism, which is not homeostatic. Excuse Wait, me? Wait, what? what? Have you forgotten what homeostasis means? I thought you knew! I thought so too. Was there something wrong in my explanation a few minutes back? <laughs> it had me confused for a little while there. Fine, okay. Sit back and listen to what I have to say first. For now, let's talk about the five components of the feedback loops. First, we have the receptor who monitors values of variables. Second, the control center which establishes the set point. Third, we have the effector that can change the value of the variable. Fourth, the stimulus which is the deviation from the set point and detected by the receptor. And lastly, the response which is produced by the effector. Now, I want you to imagine a diagram. From the top going to the bottom, we have a stimulus which has an arrow going down to the sensor or receptor. Next is the afferent path, with an arrow going down to the integrating center. From the afferent path, there is another arrow going down to the afferent path, and another arrow going down to the effector, and lastly, another arrow going down to the response. Now, we have another arrow pointing to the stimulus. So, imagine drawing an arrow from the bottom, going to the left and up the stimulus, which is the first item in the diagram. We call that arrow the feedback loop. And another arrow from the stimulus going all the way down to the response is called the response loop. The feedback loop modulates the response loop. Trivia time! Did you know? The response loop is only half of the reflex. The response becomes part of the stimulus and feeds back into the system. Its purpose is to keep system near a set point. There are two responses at two levels. First, the cellular response at target cells which is the opening or closing of the channels and modification of an enzyme. 
Second is the systemic response at organizational level which is the vasodilation, vasoconstriction, and increase or decrease in blood pressure. Now, going back to negative feedback, also known as the nature of most control systems. They negate the initiating factors or stimulus. Any deviation from the set point is made smaller, that's why if some factor becomes excessive or deficient, a control system initiates negative feedback which consists of a series of changes that return the factor toward a certain mean value, thus maintaining homeostasis. Oh yeah, I remember now. Examples of this are the regulation of blood pressure, body temperature, and blood sugar levels. Yes, that's right. On the other hand, positive feedback sometimes causes a vicious circle and even death. That's why it's most commonly known as the vicious cycle. See? Positivity can be quite toxic at times. Yes, and that's why when a deviation occurs, its response is to make the deviation greater, leading to instability and often death. So examples of harmful positive feedback are after hemorrhage, blood pressure dropping, and the heart's ability to pump blood decreases. Whoa, whoa, wait! That's pretty nasty! Well, maybe it is, but it is somehow a good kind of nasty, like blood clots, childbirth, and generation of nerve impulses, say, for example. These are necessary for our bodies. Also, you know, a mild degree of positive feedback can be overcome by the negative feedback control system of the body, and a vicious circle fails to develop. Wow! Our bodies are really amazing! I'm glad to be alive right now and to know this fact. Well, will you look at that? We almost reached our time limit. Let's end here for now. Alright, to hear us out again on our next episode of Visual Talk.